0: Welcome to the show. In this episode, I have a conversation with Stephanie Wanchala, the executive director of Pulse Dance Company and the owner and operator of Studio Pulse Center for Dance. Stephanie started Pulse Dance Company in 2010. Back then, they held rehearsals on the second floor of a massage studio with carpet, low ceilings, and no mirrors. Although not ideal, she remained thankful but always kept looking. Then, in 2013, she opened Studio Pulse Center for Dance, in order to provide the company with a permanent home. Okay, time to give a shout out to the Crude Company men. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber Seward Brewing Company David North Crystal Liska Derek Adolph Blue and Gold Board Shop Shane Robinson Sharon Liska and Scott Liska Thank you to everyone for your support. This podcast wouldn't be possible without you. If you would like to subscribe and help keep this podcast going, go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. And if you have a chance, a review on iTunes also helps a lot. Okay, back to Stephanie Wanchala. As you mature as a business owner, you learn to accept change and allow for your creation to take on new ideas. You bring other people in and begin delegating responsibilities. You allow it to become something bigger than yourself. It's taken some time, but Stephanie has learned to accept this. That in order for Pulse to continue being a guardian of culture and a home to those who practice dance, then safeguards need to be put in place to ensure Pulse continues to exist long after she's gone. So here she is, Stephanie Wanchala. Mike is hot. Mike's hot. Mike's hot. Is it recording? It's report, that's what that means, dude.
1: Crude conversations. Listen more
0: than you talk. Go to work. So you want me to use Cardi B to bring you in? <laughs> <laughs> so good morning, Stephanie. Morning. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Is this early for you or are you a morning person?
1: Um, this is roughly the start of my day. Yeah, I am not a morning person because, you know, I work late into the evening. Um, but I usually start like administrative stuff in the early afternoon. So I'm usually sipping coffee on the couch about this time.
0: <laughs> so do you drink your coffee black or creamer? I, I feel like I just saw creamer.
1: I like a light blend coffee with just a splash of soy or a hint of creamer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a barista. <laughs> so you just kind of alluded to it, but your day, what does your day look like?
1: Um, well, uh, so I usually, yep, yeah, I get up um, and it kind of depends on on what part of the season I'm in. Um, because if I'm teaching, which happens year round, I'm already like planning my class from the moment I wake up, like I'm thinking about music. I'm thinking about what we're going to focus on. Um, if we're in the season, I'm thinking about, okay, choreography, you know, how am I going to approach creating, you know, uh, material for rehearsal that day. Um, and then of course there's that, the administrative side of things, which are, you know, all the logistics and the planning and the emailing and the scheduling and, um, you know, connecting with people and getting things rolling. So I'm usually working from about noon to 11 at night.
0: And what time do you go to bed?
1: About 1 a.m., midnight, 1 a.m.
0: Okay. And that's normal?
1: Yeah. Well, during the season, especially. Yeah. I mean, it, rehearsal gets done at 10. We're out of the studio by 10 30, 10 45. You know, I go home. I eat an embarrassingly late dinner. Um, and then it's kind of like, <laughs> all right, well, I guess we'll go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So yesterday I asked if you wanted to talk about anything in specific, and you said not in particular, it's just your life. <laughs> no. What did you mean by that?
1: Um, well, I feel like I'm just kind of living it. I'm living dance. And so, uh, you know, I'm so excited to be on the podcast. And of course, I love it. So I'm happy to talk about it. But at some point, it's kind of like, this is just my life. It's not that interesting for me, you know, Um Yeah, I just feel like this is my day in, my day out. It's what I eat, sleep, breathe. Um, So, I don't know. We could also – do you want to talk about unicorns? I don't (laughs) (laughs) know. Well, that's not part of your life. (laughs) No, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) You know, I've I've said this before on the podcast to people who have said similar things about their careers. And I think that when you're in it, it's really (laughs) hard to see um, the impact and the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Up until, you know, say you get to a certain age and you were able to to look back and be like, oh my gosh, like I did all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Because um, when you're in it, it's just, you feel like you're pushing against a wall of wet clay. Like you don't really even know when you're actually making progress. Um, but now that Pulse Dance Company is approaching its 10 year anniversary season, uh, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, look how far we've come. And that... Just that in and of itself is really incredible in hindsight, but doesn't necessarily feel that way in the middle of it.
0: Yeah. You know, so uh, my wife, Carrie, has danced for Pulse for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and she gave me a question that I thought I'd throw in here because it, it works so perfect right here is when you envisioned your studio, how did you go about creating an identity that stood out from the other studios in Anchorage?
1: I opened Studio Pulse because it fulfilled a need and a niche that didn't already exist in town, which was um, a studio where you can go as an adult, as a trained artist, as a beginner and feel welcomed and you know, explore movement in, in a nurturing environment and explore and expand artistry and have opportunities to create and perform. So Studio Pulse absolutely is very unique in Anchorage in the fact that it not only has youth programs, but it also values adult programs. And it's uh, the home home base for Pulse Dance Company, which is our uh, professional performing division. So um, in a way, and I'd like to make clear actually that the studio is separate from the company. So Studio Pulse is a school of dance and then Pulse Dance Company is a nonprofit performing organization. Um, and they work kind of symbiotically. And so um, within the last 10 years, uh, I've now created the studio that simultaneously has kids programs, adult programs, a uh, professional company, a competition team. Um, and then the pole stands company, the performing part, has become kind of a, a leading arts organization in creating opportunities for other local artists. So there's a lot Of chances for local people, whether they're new to dance or experienced, um, to be involved in a multitude of
0: ways. So earlier you said that a lot of times it feels like you're pushing against clay. Can you explain that a little bit?
1: Um, Well, especially working in the nonprofit sector, I think anyone familiar with nonprofits, um... Understands that how it, it really can be a sea of no's, you know, and you just have to keep asking and you have to keep trying um, because really you're what, what the end game here is focusing on and accomplishing mission, and ours is community enrichment through dance. Now, there's lots of other <laughs> goals <laughs> under that, but that's the overarching theme is, um, you know, how do we enrich lives in Anchorage? How do we make uh, Anchorage a place where arts and culture thrives and where um, our community can live a colorful, robust, healthy lifestyle.
0: And so that's the clay that you have to push against.
1: Well, then – oh, my gosh. Let's backtrack then. (laughs) I mean the clay itself is really a a mound of things that – from, you know, grant applications that you don't get or grant applications that you asked for this amount and then you ended up getting this amount – to, you know, not getting the dates you wanted at the theater to, you know, trying to reach the right people. You know, at this point, we're in our 10th season, the people who are going to know about Pulse know about Pulse. So Mm -hmm. at this point, it's like, how do we get outside of that network, or the friends of the friends of the friends who've probably heard about us? You know, how do you reach that next level demographic that maybe has never seen dance in town? Or you know, it's families wishing, oh, you know, we, we're we going to go check out this thing downtown or we're going to the pack. Well, what about dance? You know, there really isn't a lot of it in town. And so part of that that clay mountain that you're pushing is constantly uh, trying to reach new people so that we have sustainability for the future.
0: And so far, how have you reached those people?
1: Hmm. I think part of what's helped us both carry out mission and reach new people are our community programs. So over the last few years, um, we've developed programs like um, Bloom, which I'm really excited about. And Bloom is an artist-in-residence program where local choreographers, up-and-coming, accomplished, you know, maybe they did it a long time ago, maybe they're interested in it, they can apply. And then we'll review their applications and select between one to six people, you know, it kind of depends on applications. And then I provide them with studio space. So and lead auditions. So basically, um, Bloom allows for people who are interested in creating new work to uh, select their dancers through a hosted audition process, um, have access to rehearsal space, which is expensive and you need a lot of, and then have a, a show produced for them. So, you know, they have a theater Pulse will do the advertising and they get uh, a video of their new work that they can then use to either apply for their own grant applications or dance festivals or, you know, add to their resume, etc. So really, I think things like that is where the community building really comes into play and where our mission is really carried out. As kind of a sidebar, we've also started a community Nutcracker production, which is kind of like, I don't want to say the anti-Nutcracker, but um, it takes a classical version and just bends it up. And it's super comedic and fun and funny and um, lighthearted and colorful. And so I think our Nutcracker also brings um, something really vibrant and unique to town because it allows people to come see a show, laugh and enjoy it. You know, No one feels like they have to sit in the audience and, and think like, okay, when is this over? We're going on hour, you know, hour three. Of tutus. And there's value in that, and that's beautiful, but that's not what Pulse Dance Company does. And so I like to think that um, those kinds of programs that include community members in their, the performance um, is really where we're successful in reaching new people.
0: And the Nutcracker, at least this last year, took the place of Burlesque?
1: No, actually. It didn't? Okay. Um, we actually left Burlesque off last year just so we could focus more on Nutcracker, although it didn't, like, replace it. It just – We put a little (laughs) – we put a hold on burlesque last year because we did bite off a lot. Like staging an entire Nutcracker production, when you think about the costuming and the casting and the rehearsals for all of those dancers and the multitude of sections in the acts, like I didn't want to stretch us so thin that our performance started to kind of get sloppy. So, um, you know, we were smart about how we planned the season and moving ahead into season 10, we will be doing burlesque um, and we will be doing a Nutcracker. So – Things are moving.
0: A lot of work ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that that probably is a testament to the diversity of Pulse is that you guys have something like Nutcracker Mm -hmm. and then also something like Burlesque, which are Mm -hmm. totally different audiences.
1: Absolutely. But both, uh, both art forms, I think, that are really interesting and have their place and value. And again, because Pulse Dance Company is an adult performance company and because we are kind of contemporary meets dance theater, you know, we have a little bit of an edge. And I think that allows us to explore these different styles and do it well.
0: So this is a lot of work. (laughs) It ain't easy. (laughs) (laughs) What motivated you to start a dance studio?
1: Um, Well, so Pulse Dance Company was founded in 2010. And so in its early stages, we were rehearsing wherever we could. And I tell this story all the time, but we would hold rehearsals in the second floor of a massage studio, so we were dancing low ceilings, no mirrors on carpet, and we had to do it quietly because people were getting massages. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that is like uh, is a really good example of like you know, started from the bottom now we're here, um mm-hmm. not that it was a bottom, it certainly was fun, and we appreciated the sponsorship but you know, when you're, when you're first starting out, you're, you're really just desperate for anything. You'll take what you can get. And from there, we moved into um, kind of a karate studio. Um, And eventually, I think we rehearsed at UAA for a bit too. Anyhow, eventually I was like, okay, I'm loving this, where this has um, a lot of forward movement. Like I want to keep things rolling. I'm just going to dive in and open a studio so that the company has a home. Um, And so in 2013, I opened Studio Pulse Center for Dance, and then in 2018, I expanded.
0: What was that like to make that decision to just drop in?
1: Ah, uh, you. What do you mean drop in?
0: To having a dance studio. Oh, to just like go yeah, for it's it. like I'm gonna have a dance studio. I was
1: like to drop into dance because I do those classes. <laughs> 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 um, uh, it was uh, it was exhilarating and it was scary, but I also felt like I had to do it then. You know, I didn't have a family to support. I was young enough where, you know, you can pull all-nighters and, you know, I just kind of had it I felt like it had to be then or never. And so I just dove in and I was very lucky to have, you know, friends and family who would stop by and help with like the demo process or the flooring and I mean, it was long and arduous. Um, and we got it figured out. And so by the time we expanded, it was kind of like, all right, this is what we know we got to do. This is what we can do easier. This is what we can do better. This is what we can do faster. And so, yeah, it's been a really incredible growing experience.
0: So you said now or never. Uh Uh-huh. At any point, did you think like, okay, if I don't do it, somebody else will do it?
1: I don't know. I mean, I certainly hope someone else would do it um, because I think this town really needs it. Um, And I certainly would have appreciated a place to go to take class that's, you know, not – me in a room with nine-year-olds. So Mm -hmm. um, I think it would, I mean, I I certainly hope someone would have done it. I don't know if someone would have done it soon. And I'm impatient. I want it now. So I just did it.
0: So you in a room with nine-year-olds, is that kind of the, is that the standard?
1: I think for adults who are starting dance and interested in it, uh, unless you find like a random adult class somewhere that is completely 100% beginner, you're kind of out of luck in Anchorage. So – and generally what ends up happening as an adult, if you are really passionate about it, you really want to do it, you will end up in a classroom with 13 to 16-year-olds. And that's just – that's just how it is.
0: You know, I have a little bit of a frame of reference for this because of Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that – if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't know about this. Mm. And that is that if you do want to dance as an adult – you do have to do those classes that with, with children. And I think that it's pretty interesting that there isn't an avenue in a lot of places for a Spotlight Pulse. Or not a Spotlight Pulse, but there a Spotlight Pulse doesn't exist in a lot of places.
1: Yeah. And when I opened Studio Pulse, um, you know, I I'd, I really wanted to create an environment that you can find without a problem in New York City or Cali or Chicago or Seattle I wanted that energy of active, invested uh, dancers who like are – that's their – dance is like their livelihood or their Mm -hmm. lifeline. Like it's their food. Um, Like they need it like deeply in their hearts. And so when I go to New York and people at Perry Dance or um, Gibney, you know, everybody is just like bustling and going from one class to the next. Like that's what they do. Um, And I was like, my gosh, this energy is just so inspiring and just – consuming in the best way and motivating and, like, I want a piece of this in Anchorage. Um, And so I opened the studio and was like, all right, you know, everybody's going to come dance. And, of course, that's – you know, it is a long, long road ahead (laughs) from there. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's my goal. Like, there's just so much joy and enthusiasm and energy and love um, and creativity in in successful – dance studios in large cities. I thought if we can just have a tiny little nibble of that in good old Anchorage, you know, we'd be set.
0: And do you see Pulse getting there?
1: Oh, I can feel it. Yeah. I mean, so during the summer, we're on summer schedule, which means the kids' classes aren't running. And so the studio isn't as full as it normally is. And we have, you know, less hours. Um, But... We have a summer schedule that we expanded for adults and it's bustling, you know? Like we'll have a 78 degree day outside, the sun's out, it's gorgeous, and there's 12 people in a class. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I can't believe you guys are even here. And good on you, you know? The weather's gorgeous and you still come to get your dance fix, and I think that's incredible. And also that that tells me more than anything else that what we're doing is working.
0: Do you have a background in dance?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I started in Germany when I was, I think, three. Um, And then my dad's retired Air Force, so danced um, in studios across the U.S. My home base really is Anchorage. Um, Got my minor in dance from UAA and I was faculty uh, at UAA as well. Danced a lot with Anchorage College – Anchorage, (laughs) I wish – American college dance festivals. And then travel whenever I can. I'm going to New York again um, this summer. uh, Dance at Tons Fabrique. Berlin. Um, yeah, so wherever I go, I'm taking classes. I just can't justify going to a city where they have da- a dance scene that's, like, thriving and not taking class. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, I was going to Seattle every year um, and dancing at Velocity. So,
0: Do you take any notes from those places when you go to them and you, you bring it back every time?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I do my best. Let's see. I, I just – oh, I went to Canada. I went to British Columbia – to see Ballet BC, which is like my all-time love. Um, I love, love, love Ballet BC. I think what they're doing is so stunning and their dancers are incredible and they work with these great choreographers. And so I was lucky enough to be able to go and they invited me in to see their dress rehearsal. So that was just so eye-opening too to see these professionals, like really, really incredible professionals who go through the same dress rehearsal and tech process you know that like a small company in anchorage does so mm. that it's also like they're not gods you know <laughs> like they may look like it and they're very talented but we're all just human and and that's a really nice reminder too like what you're doing right now is where you're at is fine where you're going is great like like take a breath and enjoy where you are because everybody is just a human trying to do their best
0: has it taken you a little while to have that perspective
1: yeah oh yeah um like i said i'm pretty impatient and I have like really big hopes and dreams and uh and so i, I kind of just dive in head first and everything in my life kind of takes a back burner to bringing something to fruition and and I'm now realizing, like, it's fine. Like, you need to breathe. And you can't rush things, you know? I was like, I'm going to open this studio, and it's going to be, you know, packed in the first year. Well, I mean, you do any research, and you, you'll you find out that it takes four to six years for a studio to grow legs, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, ah, not me. Huh. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> It's definitely true. And so it, it certainly humbles you, you know, in a way I knew it would. I mean, I knew these things. I knew them in my head, but then – Like, when you apply it to real life, you're like, oh, yes, what I knew in my head feels different in my day-to-day or feels different in my heart. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit – you just kind of have to swallow your pride and be like, you know what? I'm just going to keep working really hard. I'm going to do my best to spread the word, get people involved. Um, And it is – it's paying off now, and it feels really amazing.
0: It's the difference between the reality and the idea of the whole situation, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you really have to be willing to – Like, cut everything that you love out of your life (laughs) to dedicate yourself to bringing this dream to
0: light. You know, one thing that I've noticed, at least in my situation about crude, is Mm, and I was mm -hmm. thinking about it actually before I came here today, Mm -hmm. and I was like, kind of considering some of the questions that I ask guests and considering the question that I asked you earlier about, you know, you don't realize. You're in it and you're doing all the stuff until maybe you take a second and look back at all, at all of it, right? And I'm like, how many interviews do I do a week? You mm. know, Anywhere between two and three and then edit at least one interview so a week time. in order to get that podcast out. Mm-hmm. And so in the future, when I look back, I'm like, how did I have so much time to do all that stuff? Mm. Yeah. I mean, have you had a moment like that where you look back and you you see that you've done you know, x amount of classes and x amount yeah. of performances a year and you're like, "What was I thinking?"
1: I mean, some I actually wonder like why didn't you do more. <laughs> but then, you know, you look at your day and you're like, "I don't think I can handle more. You know, at this point, I need I need staff. I need uh I we I'm we're moving toward being a much larger entity. Um because it is getting to the point where I cannot shoulder everything. I just can't, you know. And like with the show, if you really look at like the amount of time spent, I'm, you know, actively fundraising grant writing for shows i'm producing the shows uh nine times out of ten i'm doing like scenic design or, or costume design i'm developing the material of the choreography itself for the shows and then running the rehearsals and then putting it on stage and doing the advertising all the marketing it's like at some point something has to give mm-hmm. and because i want to serve pulse dance company as best i can some of those things need to be handed over to someone else you know like i need to pick what what my strengths are and allow someone else to shine in other areas. So that's where we're moving. Um, again, it's, it's a long process, but we certainly have forward-thinking goals. Oh, and I think I wanted to make a quick comment because um, you had mentioned crude. And I've, I've actually thought as well, and I think when I was driving over for this podcast, how you and I actually had a lot of similarities when you were working just – on the magazine, right? Because mm-hmm. you were home, you were like editing. I mean, it's being home on your computer working is like this weird double edged sword where you can simultaneously be wearing pajama pants. <laughs> um but also not necessarily taking breaks because whatever you're comfortable, you're home you just keep working through. Um so there's like comfort and convenience, but then there's also this part where and this is this happens to me all the time, even though I'm always working from home because I can't, I like, I don't, I love my studio, but I don't want to be in it for 13 hours a day. For sure. Um, but if I'm working from home, I'm battling myself because I feel like because I'm home, I'm not working. Mm-hmm. Like there's this weird feeling for me where I don't know, I'm like, Stephanie, you're too comfortable. Go into the office, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so anyway, I just, I think you and I both have probably experienced this, like this drudgery almost of working from
0: home. I feel like working from home is like, it's a little dangerous sometimes. You know, one thing that Carrie told me at a certain point was you need to get out of the house because what you're doing is you're treating the house like your work atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You're treating it like your office. And so when she comes home, she's then coming into my office. Yeah. And and it's mm-hmm. hard to kind of separate those two, you yeah. know, whether it's home life or office life but i think that that's pretty common with people who are the entrepreneurial types.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um definitely. I mean, my work infiltrates the kitchen bar counter or the dining room table. I mean, i have an office downstairs, but <laughs> i end up just putting a bunch of junk on that desk, you know. So, and i want to be upstairs. I want to be by like the light in the kitchen and the dogs and um so yeah, i mean, it definitely trickles into your life. And I think that that can't be avoided. If you're an entrepreneur, like your work is your life, it follows you home and vice versa. But there's definitely something to be said. Like I make it a point now I turn my phone off or on silent and I put away, I don't look at it. On the weekends, I'm working very hard not to open emails, Mm -hmm. um, not to answer texts, like not to even look at my phone because I do really need to disconnect just to maintain like breathing space.
0: You know, one thing that John Woodbury told me he uh, owns Coast Magazine. Mm-hmm. This was years ago. I think I, I had given him an issue of Slope Rich, the second issue of Crude. And in the course of our conversation, he said that to make sure that I make time for family and friends because the work will always be there.
1: Right. Yeah, that's excellent. And I think it's really easy to lose sight of that when you think – You're like, oh, an opportunity is here that maybe we haven't had before. Or this has a chance to be, like, the best show ever. Or you're really inspired. Like, i got to take advantage of this inspiration before it's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, yeah, when you're in the thick of it, I think it can definitely feel hard to just, like, close that laptop and get your head out of that work game and just breathe and be with the people, you know, you love.
0: Have you found that you're better at recognizing um – Good opportunities versus bad opportunities.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you know, there's always these memes floating around that are like, you know, they poke fun at the idea of being like, it's a great opportunity. Work for free. You'll get exposure. (laughs) Um, And definitely within the first many years of Pulse's existence, I was like, oh my gosh, so many people will see us. Like, we should do this. But now that I'm, like, it's not my side gig. It's my living. You know, and, and I'm running the company and running the studio. Um, And I really, my schedule is full. We have performances, we have recitals, we have community events, we have this year, we have the Mayor's Charity Ball. I mean, there's just so much going on that requires so much time behind the scenes as well that when someone says like, oh, hey, we have this show and uh, will you do XYZ for it? But they don't say like what's in the budget, or you know, and the only person really benefiting from it is them. Mm-hmm. Um, it has become so much easier for me to just take take a breath. I'm talking about breathing a lot in this up in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, clearly, uh, I'm teaching yoga. But yeah, it's just become really become really valuable for me to say, okay, am I excited by this? Like, would this use my time wisely? Would it stress me out? Would I be stressed out doing a thing that I would never have done on my own slash am not terribly inspired by? And how does this benefit the whole organization or the dance community or, or whatever, you know? And uh, if the answer is meh, then I just say no because I want to make sure that what we're currently doing in the demographic that I'm currently serving, I just want to make sure that, again, that mission is carried out effectively and that is not possible if I'm worrying about, you know, side gig over here.
0: hmm you know, and that takes experience. That, that takes having made those, those bad opportunity decisions. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it's unfortunate because, of course, you always want to say yes. And, of course, you always want to help people out or you want to be involved or you want to get your name out as much as possible. But, you know, if you're doing what you do and you love it and you take the time to do it well, the right people will come.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you, in the course of doing Pulse felt a, a responsibility to the community like this, like you said, this is your life now, this is your job. Mm-hmm. Um, have you recognized that, okay, like, this is bigger than me now? Like, I, I can't stop.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, yes, to an extent. Yeah. Um, because as our board expands, I mean, we have a board of directors and, you know, we've revamped our bylaws and just things are more official. Um, I'm certainly in more of an executive director capacity in my daily life. Um And there is something a little heartbreaking about that when, you know, this company that you started and and worked so hard to give legs to, you know, suddenly starts to walk and you're kind of like not, I mean, I'm still, you know, a, a huge part of it, obviously, but you kind of feel the organization itself growing and like leaving you just a wee tiny bit because it is bigger than you. And you know, the board at any point in time could technically say, like, Stephanie, you've done a great job, but we think it's time for a fresh approach, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> and that would be it, you know, and that's really a s- part of the sad parts of a nonprofit, really, or part of the great parts, because if the organization would be um, better led, you know, by someone who has more time or motivation or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, you know, then that organization continues moving forward with the right people. And so... Yeah. for To have Pulse Dance Company become a dance company that could technically continue long after I've moved out of state or died. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty tremendous.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool, though, at the same time, like you said, because Mm -hmm. that's your legacy.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what would you be doing without dance?
1: Oh, my gosh. I can't even – I don't even have an answer for that question. Nothing – Nothing gives me fulfillment and joy and a feeling and a sense of purpose that running this like my business and the company does like creating creating work and you know producing shows and seeing kids in class just completely doing a 180 as a dancer. Um, just seeing the joy that people have in the studio and then this, like, community that's building. You know, there's people who have been coming to certain classes every single week for three years now. Like, to see this community building and thriving and growing is just um, so inspiring. I just am so fulfilled. So if, I guess if this wouldn't have – if I wouldn't have opened a studio, hmm, I would imagine maybe something in the arts – um, you know, initially I thought maybe something in journalism or marketing. But I'll sit behind my my kitchen counter and work all day, right? But the thought of sitting behind a desk and working for someone else at this point, it just, I don't think I could.
0: <laughs> you know what I've always equated that to is you can either pursue your own dream or you can help somebody achieve their own dream.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that there's, you know, there's a great way of life in both of those Those options, you know, like I think there's something to be said for knowing what your paycheck's going to be and or going home at 5 p.m. And not thinking about work at all Mm -hmm. or like closing your laptop and being done or Mm -hmm. taking a vacation and not thinking about work once. That's a beautiful place to be, too. But I'm just not necessarily that person. So, yeah.
0: So when you hear music, do you in your mind start choreographing?
1: Oh, yeah. If if I hear a song and it's like. It just hits me in my chest. And I know, I know that I have to use that song. Um, and so I'll have a playlist and I'll like find that song, put it in the playlist. And even if I don't use it, maybe that season, like, you know, I have my list and I'll go back through and, and find something that fits. Um, our last season finale concert um, was Caravan. And I'd been developing that playlist for well, probably almost two years.
0: So you choreograph most of the dances that Pulse Dance Company performs. Mm-hmm. How do you begin that process?
1: It's tough. Sometimes it feels like pulling teeth if you don't have inspiration. But I think part of being a working artist is that even if you're not feeling inspired, you have to step foot in the studio and you have to make something, you know, and then you pick the good parts out or maybe you don't use it at all. But you have you just have to get moving. So sometimes I'll start without music. And, you know, maybe for some reason, I just haven't found a song that fits what I want to do or I'm again, I'm not feeling inspired or whatnot. So I'll think, okay, I'll take it back to basics. will go in the studio, and I will just allow movement to flow out, and then I'll start connecting the dots between the movement, and then I'll see if there's a song, you know, that fits what I was creating, or you know, I'll, I'll have a song that I love, and I'll start creating to it. But what I've found is that if I create to a song, it suddenly lo- it feels too like. Um, Mickey Mousing or like too Mimicky of the song like suddenly it loses How special it is because the movement is Like I mean I was developed exactly To this song and You know I want something more dynamic and interesting Than that
0: so we can go both ways Oh
1: totally yeah there's no right Or wrong way I don't think
0: so how Does a vision or an idea go From start to stage
1: Well Cody uh, (laughs) Why don't you tell me about how that (laughs) Happens in the studio Um yeah, that was really fun. I guess for those listening, you should know that uh, Cody definitely stood in for a, re- uh, a spot in a rehearsal one oh, that's night. That's right. For when we were doing uh, Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. And yes, Cody was a real danseur that night.
0: <laughs> I don't think I've been that sore in a very long time.
1: <laughs> and he really gave it a go. I was so impressed. He just kept he kept flailing around with the rest of them.
0: I think I was standing in for uh, Timothy, right? Oh,
1: possibly, yeah, yeah. One of the guys. Yeah. And we were like, it's so close to show, we can't miss people. And Cody was like, okay.
0: I remember Carrie um, was getting ready in the bathroom, and she's like, hey, I have something kind of crazy to ask you. You'll probably say no. And then she asked me, mm-hmm. and I was like, eh, hey, why not? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it well, turned out fun.
1: Props to you. I mean, so anyway, that's, long story short, that's kind of what that experience is like. Um, but let's see. So, So I always... I often, when I get on the stair climber at the gym, that's when I do my prime time music choreography visions. So I get on that stair climber. I'm doing that sweaty, monotonous grind. I'm, you know, going through my music, um, and then like a vision will hit, and then I don't even feel like I'm on the stair climber because I'm like dancing it out in my head. I'm like, okay, we could do this formation, or there could be this stunt, this trick, or this da 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 da. And then I have to jot it down real quick or it's gone. Like it comes and goes so fast. Sometimes I feel like Eminem in 8 Mile with like my little notebook on a bus. (laughs) (laughs) like, I got to catch this. Um, So yeah. And so then I take that. And obviously once you set ideas on bodies, it's going to be different because, you know, everybody's bodies do different things, are capable of different things. Timing works out differently. Uh, Physics, that ends up being a thing. (laughs) So you just have to figure it out. It's very hands-on. I often will be like, all right, guys, like, help me figure this out. Like, what works for you? Or how would you go about this? Or does anyone have an idea to help this, you know, come to life? Because if you've got a funky vision and you have, you know, you, you just kind of need the team to help make it happen because, again, it needs to feel right in their bodies.
0: hmm You know, this all seems like a very democratic process.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, if something doesn't feel right, I say this all the time, I'm like, we can change it. You know, this is what I'd like to try and see. But if this is tweaking your knees or the timing is funky or it's just not working, like, you know, tell me.
0: Mm-hmm. So what kinds of resources are needed to bring a performance to stage?
1: Uh, oh, you know, lots of money really makes the world go round. Um, I don't know. It, like some people say mo' money, mo' problems. I say mo' money and a better show. Like, <laughs> really. Um, you need people. You need volunteers. You need a dedicated board. You need those sweet, sweet breaks for marketing, like if, if a news program picks up your, your show or it gets, you get a feature in the daily news or, you know, it's those, some of those things that you just don't have control over, those are really, like, lovely, helpful things. Um, you know, and invested dancers who are going to spread the word and rally their friends and family. And, let's <laughs> see, um, a really solid crew. You know, you want a stage manager and a lighting designer and a sound person. And, like, again, this is where the money comes in because if you have limited money, you are cutting corners in the, those, you know, scenic design, um, you know, your sound person, your your crew, your your whole production team, like, becomes, like, you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I remember there was a show. I think it was season – maybe it was season four. I was literally running the sound from backstage on my laptop. Like you just, you just make it work.
0: Yeah. You know, one thing that I've, that I've realized about having gone through all of this, this stuff myself with crude is that I now know how audio should sound. I know what an article should look like. I know how you should be editing a video. And so you're able to, you know how it works now.
1: Yeah. I mean, the whole process. Yeah. And there, I mean, I still have tons of learning to do You know, but I I am such a different person and a different artist and a different director than I was 10 years ago. Um, Even with things like, you know, studio expansion stuff, like, I know how to install drywall. Like, give me the screwdriver. Like, let's go, you know. (laughs) Like, I'll put this insulation in. You know, we'll do the ceiling tiles. Like, there's just such a tremendous amount of learning that's happened. And I just feel so, like, primed to do so many different things.
0: Did you ever envision when you were younger, Stephanie – that you would be able to do something like drywall?
1: No. No. It would never never cross my mind. I've never been like, gosh, I should learn how to do drywall. Like, (laughs) I'd love to know how to do drywall. (laughs) Like, that's not my bag. Um, But, yeah, like operating a a paint machine or, um, you know, figuring out fluorescent light fixtures. Just so much, like, common – I don't want to say common sense stuff because maybe people don't do, like, fluorescent lighting stuff regularly. But – just so much stuff that I'm like, oh, that's why, that's why electricians are expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So you can either answer this or not answer it. <laughs> okay. After everything is said and done, how much does a performance cost to put on?
1: Oh, wow. That depends on the performance. I would say roughly. Again, it depends. Like, is it a community production? Are we doing it as low budget as possible? I mean, anywhere from six which is low to maybe 30 no i mean like with our nutcracker and we're not done we're not even done like getting all the right stuff for it it's going to be an annual thing so it needs to be good it needs to last us a long time but you know you're looking at you know 16 grand spent on costumes and that has to come from somewhere Mm -hmm. so yeah it's an ongoing ordeal to be like okay how do we get the stuff we need? How do we maintain it? And then how do we store it? So, this was this last year was the first year that we got a storage unit because literally nothing else will fit in my studio. So, Pole Dance Company has a storage unit. We keep our larger props and like just bins and bins and bins of Nutcracker costumes. And that's just that's kind of the cost of business at this point because we are growing.
0: You know, I never even thought about that. Where do you store the stuff?
1: Yeah. I mean, I need to – I'm, like, in a constant state of having to clear out costume closets and reorganize. And I haven't done it for a while because it's the worst. It is the worst. Like, <laughs> I'd rather shut the door <laughs> and not look at it. But it really needs, I mean, just constant attention because if you're doing photo shoots or video shoots or piecing things together for, for performances, you're constantly pulling stuff out and throwing stuff back in. So – um, Yeah, that's one of my goals is to come up with a better method for organizing so that you have that quick access, you know. But it's hard when you're working with limited space.
0: You know, I can speak from experience with this, uh, so I'm not – don't feel like I'm calling you out. But do you feel like maybe you have gotten, I guess, better or worse at keeping in contact with friends and making sure that you go out and you do stuff for yourself?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've always been a pretty introverted person. So while I do like need my, you know, socializing time, if you will, like I find respite, I find reprieve, I re-energize alone. Like after shows, you know, the dancers will go out and it just, it's just been such a long, endless, arduous, high stress journey that I need to like sit somewhere in a quiet space, <laughs> you know, like I don't and, – and especially when we're in the middle of a of a show weekend, like I want to come back 100% refreshed the next day. I want a good night's sleep. Like it's very, very serious for me. Um, and so I think that, you know, the company itself having a, you know, a wonderful like social circle and it feels like a family and, you know, I'm really proud of that there's this environment where people can become very close friends. Um, but for me personally, I guess – Outside of the company, even just like with studio stuff, I do like to just chill. And I don't know if that's healthy or not. <laughs> I don't know if that's taking care of myself or secluding myself. I don't know. I don't know. But that is that is kind of how I work right now just because then I feel like I'm better at, at other things.
0: Maybe it gives you time to collect and sort your thoughts.
1: Yeah. And just disconnect because I feel like I'm so connected all day long you know I just want headspace to you know allow that that adrenaline rush of a show or you know whatever event to kind of settle down and then see it with a clearer perspective and come back with a clear head
0: so after a show Mm -hmm. immediately following a performance you go home what do you do Oh, my gosh.
1: Um, Well, first, there's the loadout process. (laughs) So after you break down the entire show, (laughs) the team (laughs) loads up the Pulse dancing wagon and (laughs) brings everything back to the studio where it gets squeezed into a (laughs) a packed closet. Um, Oh, I just decompress. I mean, I disconnect. I unplug and just try to really enjoy the sense of accomplishment, which usually doesn't come until later. Because again, it's hindsight, you know, in in the moment you're like, oh my gosh, could have done this better, or I wish this would have happened, or, you know, why did not a single news outlet in the entire state even mention this show, <laughs> you know, like there's things that you just kind of have to like let go of um, and just realize like, wow, we just did this big thing and it was incredible, like it was amazing. And it's okay to feel proud and it's okay to feel accomplished. It's okay to feel good about what you've worked so hard to do and that's something that I have to remind myself of often like Stephanie it's okay to feel like you're doing some badass stuff because mm-hmm. you know what you are
0: you've mentioned the importance of media a couple times so far I always equate it to something like going viral like no one knows the right formula you're like how did this go viral versus that go viral is that kind of how you feel about why did they pick up this season and not mm-hmm. you know last season
1: yeah, like what's the what's the magic here? Um, and I think it was helpful, you know, for a while. Like if you know people, or you know, someone knows someone who knows someone who will mention it. But I mean, there's some there's some news outlets like one time who will like never pick up our stuff, but they'll pick up other stuff. Like there was one time when I was like, oh, this is our big break. Finally, we can make it onto this news show. And so we're there, and the gal's like, okay, so you're leaving town for this cool competition. What's it feel like being a dance company from Alaska and you're going to do this competition and it'll be, you know, televised and blah 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 and like this is live. And I'm sitting there like um well, <laughs> I think maybe you are referring to someone else, but <laughs> I'll tell you about our season show coming up. Like it, we were on the show as an accident. Like we weren't even scheduled for that.
0: Oh, really? For that
1: show. Yeah, they were interviewing us about a whole separate dance group. It's like, well, let's bring this back around.
0: <laughs> I wonder if it was because the journalist would maybe was was misinformed, or
1: I mean, I sent the press release right to her. I mean, yeah. You know what? So, so yeah, there's some there's some places where we just like can't get a break, and I'm kind of like, whatever, I'll send you the info, and it's a cool show. I know it's a cool show. Yeah, and so people who don't see it or organizations that don't cover it, like I think they're doing the community a disservice, and a lot of people are missing out because. It's an experience. It, it really is a wonderful experience that you will not get elsewhere in this town. It's so different. It's just so different. And I think not seeing it really does a disservice to someone who's maybe looking to, to experience the arts, you know, in a weekend. Um, and I experience this myself with, like, local theater productions. Because of my lifestyle, my job, and my schedule, like, I don't get to see as much theater as I'd like. But then when I do – I always leave and I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I saw that. Mm-hmm. You know, you just like – you have to make it a point to go give it a chance. And then you leave and something in you changes. You know, it's like this connection with a bigger community of people watching something that when it's, when it's well done, especially, you're like, wow, I just, I just had this – I don't want to say out of body experience. But, you know, you are bigger than, than just you. You are part of something. And, and I think that experience collectively is really wonderful.
0: So for someone who has never seen a Pulse dance performance, how would you explain it?
1: How would you explain it?
0: How would I explain it? Because you've
1: seen your fair share.
0: I have seen a lot. Yeah, I've seen and I've and I've watched Carrie throughout the years since we were kids. I actually would categorize your your choreography as a little melancholy, but also a little like, um, well, not even a little, a lot like very socially aware. You know, I think one of my favorites, I loved Caravan. I really, really loved La Femme. I think that the things that you are saying, you and the wrestling company are saying through the dance is, is really important. Like, presently important. Not like, you know, a Swan Lake or... Nothing wrong with Swan Lake, but it's like, that was written however long ago, right? It's like, maybe it's not culturally relevant right now. But right. the stuff that... I've seen Paul do is. Hmm,
1: thanks. I, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, I would – yes, I would definitely say that my, a lot of my stuff, not all of it, but a lot of it does have dark undertones. Um, I remember I think I did a solo in like 2009 or something and someone said to me after they were like, so like well, what's wrong? <laughs> and I was like, what's wrong? I just this solo to share. Um so yeah, I mean, there is definitely this like darker side of me that comes out in not just like choreography, but uh, specifically in how it's staged and you know, spacing and lighting and the music selected. Um, I like stuff that makes me feel a certain way and gives me insight in a certain way. And so I just share that, you know, as best I can and and then leave that experience up to the viewer. But um, yeah, I guess that's my personal flavor. We were once, uh, or someone told me, uh, you know, I, I watched that show, and I think uh, I think I would have died if I had been in it. Like, because it was so physically intense. And it was. I mean, dancers come off the stage, and they're like, we did a Led Zeppelin show with the Modern Savage a few years ago. Like, I remember being on stage, breathing so hard, thinking I might throw up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, the, the energy that that we bring to these concerts is really – through the roof like pushes everybody physically um and what i really enjoyed about caravan is there's so much acting so it's this high physicality meets like high level of like um theatrical investment i mean it just you take your chest and you slice it open and you pour your heart and soul out and you just bring the audience along for the ride
0: you mentioned that there's a darker side to all of the performances and i i think that might be a symptom of alaska you know, I think that people tend to mirror their their surroundings, and when we're here, you know, we have basically darkness nine months out of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard not to mimic that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say that like constant darkness doesn't affect me. Like it probably it probably really does, which is probably also why I don't really want to create in the summer.
0: <laughs> really?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm summer is my break. Like I said, I'm I'm learning after ten years. I'm learning how to. Um, compartmentalize my life and so for me when we wrap up a show in the spring you know late spring early summer i just do not create and then i'll like travel somewhere and dance and then come back and be like all right here we go and then it is like a roller coaster ride till the next spring
0: so as i mentioned earlier i've watched lots of carrie's performances since we were kids most of them being in anchorage And at the beginning and the end of the performances, the audience is always thanked and the importance of the arts is always pointed out. Why do you think dance is important to a community like Anchorage?
1: Um, Well, aside from feeling like dance is really underrepresented in the art scene here, um, I think dance, and it sounds cliche, but I know it's a fact, dance communicates in ways that words can't. Oh, I know. It's like such a lame quote. Like... (laughs) that Google would throw at you, but it's so true. I, as an audience member, you know, have been moved to tears and and just, again, felt like I had connected with a bigger idea than, you know, myself. Or, um, I don't know, dance brings another way of seeing the world to a community that, you know, because we don't have dance, people are fairly limited in their understanding of how to view and understand dance. And I think the magic here is – or the key – is that you don't have to understand it. You just have to be able to open yourself up to it and like let the experience flow through your body like water. And you can take it or leave it. Maybe you didn't enjoy it and that's fine. Ask yourself why you didn't. Like maybe it made you uncomfortable because of some reason and then that opens, you know, something insightful about yourself. Um, or maybe you loved it and like you're, you have been culturally enriched, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think there's just no – I think it's win-win.
0: So Alaska isn't necessarily known for the arts. Yeah. How would you get somebody who otherwise wouldn't go to a dance to go to a dance?
1: Um, Can you tell me the answer to that question, please? Because (laughs) I would like it. (laughs) Um, I think it's uh, just talking like a normal person, you know, about dance.
0: You know, I think maybe a little bit of what goes into that is making or choreographing a performance that is manageable for the passive audience to go to. Mm-hmm. You know, not the hardcore dance mm-hmm. person to go to and be like, "Oh, I got all of it," you know, or this is right. what I got personally from it. You mention the uh the Modern Savage Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. performance. I think that the average person in Anchorage could have gone to that thing and yeah. loved it.
1: Yeah, totally. And I also think it was kind of challenged by the first act which was Stravinsky's *Rite of Spring, well, the music was, um, which was definitely a little more like modern, postmodern in style. And so the audience was probably like, what is happening? This, is, this feels a little like abstract and weird. And, and I could understand that. Um, but then they come back after intermission and Led Zeppelin's just like, wah, you know, like let your hair down, screaming and flashing lights. And so – and that's what I really love about, you know, we have the room to do these things. And, and people are invited to experience like this breadth of of um, movement.
0: So we're nearing the end here. Mm. <laughs> um, but I usually like to ask guests, depending on, you know, why they've come on, like what have they learned, you know, having done this thing for as long as they have? So what have you learned about maybe the people of Anchorage, maybe about dancers, maybe about being a a local business owner, you know? What have you learned from doing this?
1: Um, To come from a place of abundance and not scarcity Um, and to come from a place of love regardless of past experiences. What you put out, you get back. I mean, it's it's all true, and especially in a community like this. Like, it's so small. I've certainly grown as a person through owning a business and by running a company and and to be open to having things work out in a way that is different from your original vision and that's okay and that is you know can be successful in a way that you never originally imagined and and there's a reason for that I and mean, you just have to open yourself to it and and allow it to flourish
0: yeah i think that's great
1: i think trying to control you know, like, this is how it was going to be or this is how it was supposed to be or this is – there's no room for that. You know, you have to allow it to be what it's going to be in order to serve your community best. Just because I might want something doesn't mean that that's what Anchorage needs right now. And so I think having a sensitivity to that and being okay to that and you know, being able to really dive in and willingly respond to that is important.
0: I think that that's probably a fundamental part about maturing as a business owner. Especially one that is trying to represent a, a culture,
1: a culture, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it because it is more than just like you're like uh, drop in classes at the studio. So you know some of them are like dance fitness esque. So you're essentially getting a, I mean, you're getting a fantastic workout, having fun, dancing, whatever. But it's not like going to the gym. Like you could either go to the gym for your workout and get on the treadmill and whatever, or you you come to this place where these specific people offering these special classes and you're you are again part of something bigger and then that that community starts building and building and building and and i think it's reaching a tipping point you know where people are realizing that oh this like boutique experience has value it it enriches my life in a way that just going to the gym would not i think that's part two of like introducing people to dance not everybody's gonna say i feel like doing something today i'll try a ballet class that's pretty intimidating for your just random individual but they might say well let's see i like zumba oh this is funny a student told me the other day she loves dance fitness because she was looking for something like zumba but with like 60 percent less zumba (laughs) so she found that what does that mean um well so we'll do like dance cardio but then we also do like kettlebells and free weights and like pilates bar stuff and then we end with a stretch the other day it was so beautiful out during our circuits we ran outside so and came back into the studio so it's just an adventure you know you're it's an adventure and you're connecting with people and again that's that's that key element of creating community as opposed to being like welcome to class do some bicep curls. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I like
0: this gym. <laughs> well, this has been great. You know, I I have this written down and it was supposed to be in the beginning, but I guess it could be in the end. We can we can close it out with this. But you were Miss Teen Alaska at one point, weren't you?
1: I was actually Miss Alaska. Miss
0: Alaska, okay.
1: Yeah, um, which, yeah, I went to – so I went to Miss America. I was on Country Music Television for competition. Um, I was also Miss Chugiak Eagle River, and then I was uh, Miss Anchorage. And Miss Anchorage actually goes to Chitose, Japan as ambassador for you know Anchorage. And I have all kinds of adventures in – Japan, which was really exciting. So yeah, there's a whole there's a whole pageantry world <laughs> that is long long ago, but um, I think certainly has helped shape me in in how I you know approach goals.
0: And what goes into preparation for something like that?
1: A pageant. Oh my gosh! So uh, very similarly to running a business, I suppose um, I cleared out my life, and you know I was in the gym two hours a day. Um, uh, I was practicing piano every day. I was watching the news every day. I was reading the newspaper every day. Uh, I was doing mock interviews regularly. I was researching what kind of questions could be asked in the interview process. I was practicing how I walked. I was on the hunt for the perfect evening gowns. So I was traveling to see other pageants, see what other competitions were doing because again, Alaska is like wee bitty pageant state while Lower 48 is like pageant mom crazy. So (laughs) I had a lot of catch up to do because you know, the the programs were not here that were going to help me really grow and be successful on a larger scale. I mean, there was a small scene. But, again, like you need a team. You, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, again, it was just um, immersing myself and doing the very best that I could.
0: Did you see any crazy pageant moms do some crazy <laughs> stuff?
1: <laughs> no, unfortunately. Um, because by the time I was, you know, competing, I mean, I, I was – oh, my gosh, I don't even remember. I was so young, 20. 21. Oh, I turned 21 while filming uh, Miss America's pageant reality show. Okay. In, um, where were we? Somewhere in Cali.
0: That about wraps it up for my questions. Did you have anything to add?
1: Um, Guys, there's this really cool studio in town. <laughs> you can check it out at studiopulseak.com. <laughs> I hear they have excellent classes for beginners, intermediate and advanced, and kids. And also, there's this pretty cool dance company I heard about called Pulse Dance Company. And it uh, sounds like they're doing some pretty epic shows this year because it's their 10th season anniversary. So make sure you don't miss it, PulseDanceCompany.org. And also, if you're flush, consider us before tax season. Please, Kay, thanks. Bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks, Stephanie. This <laughs> Thank has been you fun. so
1: much. It was really fun. Nice chatting.
0: For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcota Beats.